This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. This is Dr. Sean Benzinger here with Amy Baker and the Humerian Health Podcast. Uh, Today we're here with Destiny Taylor, uh, who is a mama (laughs) of Colton. And um, Colton has um, autism, was born with autism, or developed it. Um, Good question, actually. Uh, So first of all, uh, it's nice to have you with us, Destiny, and just uh, appreciate you taking the time to explain your experience and what you've gone through um, in having a son with autism. So welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to tell a little bit about your story and just kind of how things have evolved for you. And so maybe just kind of start from the beginning, just you know, what was kind of life like with baby Colton and kind of how did you see this diagnosis of autism sort of develop in his life? Well, um, we were, we struggled from the beginning. Um, we, we spent 10 years doing in vitro fertilization, um, trying to even get Colton. And we had a, a a lot of successes that turned into failures as far Mm -hmm. as pregnancies. And then, um, we had a failure at seven and a half months which was really tragic for us. Mm. Um, and the doctor talked to us, sat my husband uh, and myself down and said, you know, if you guys try one more time, since your body's already so used to being pregnant, um, it, I will do everything I can to, um, if we get you pregnant again, then um, I will do everything I can to keep you pregnant. Um, and, so we discussed it. We weren't really, it, it was very traumatic for us. Mm-hmm. So we weren't really there yet. My husband more so than myself because he saw everything that I went through. Um, so he wasn't willing to try again. Um, but I finally talked to him and I said, you know, I need this in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's give it one more try. If we're not successful with this try, then uh, we're done. And I'll agree to be done. So um, we tried one more time, and I spent nine months of complete bed rest wow. uh, in and out of the hospital. But we were very successful, and we were so excited to welcome Colton to our family. Um, I'm from 16 kids myself, so wow. that's where my need comes um, to be a mother because sure. I've always been uh, – been a large family and I thrive on that chaos and I just, I love children. Yeah. So, um, early on, um, we struggled with, with Colton. Um, Colton wouldn't breastfeed and he wasn't successful at breastfeeding. He just didn't seem to want to be held. Mm. Um, he was more happy if he was on his own, um, somewhere and just setting down somewhere and just kind of observing, but he was very uh, alert very early on. And the nurses commented on that. Um, he actually held up his head on the second day by himself. Oh, wow. Um, and he was very strong because I had low birthing fluid, uh, in, there was low birthing fluid in utero. So, um, they said that he probably developed his muscles a lot faster because he didn't have the ease of swimming around in all of the fluid. So, um, Yeah, so that was interesting to us, but they said that, you know, Colton's probably going to be a little bit different um, in that, you know, he's probably going to walk a lot faster. He's probably going to talk a lot faster um, because he's already developed all of those muscles, and so he has to concentrate on something else. 
So um, we were, you know, we were expecting different things, but we weren't expecting what we got. And so um, Colton never developed an eating or a sleeping schedule. It didn't matter how hard we tried. Um, His days and nights were mixed up. He would sleep for 15 minutes at a time, and then he would be up for three days. Wow. Um, I kept going back into his pediatrician and saying, this is just not normal. This is not normal baby behavior. I'm literally up 24-7 trying to take care of my child, and he doesn't want me to hold him. Everything in the books that I was reading and everything that I had experienced before was not typical um, behavior of a child, and I couldn't swaddle him. That would frustrate him. Um, the only time that I could calm him down was, uh, to put him in about an inch worth of water in the bathtub, um, Mm. and just lay him on a towel and just let him play. But the, the Mm. water had to be up over his ears. And Mm. so I couldn't figure that, I couldn't figure out what, what that was like, why, why did that happen? Looking back on it now, I realized that I was taking the stim away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, water was just his comfort and always has been his comfort since. Oh, wow. So, How remarkable is that? So, and like so good on you for the amount of patience I'm sure yeah, that took to try to figure out what would help him be calm. Thank I you. Can't even, thank you. I cannot it, even imagine. Well, it took a while to get there for me because... Um, I kept talking to his pediatrician and his pediatrician just says, you know, some babies need less sleep than others. He was very active when he was in your stomach. So that's not, um, that's not untypical. Um, but you know, some babies just need less sleep than others. He's fine. He's okay. He seems to be developing fine. You know, destiny, one thing I've learned over 36 years is one thing. When mamas think something's wrong, something's, <laughs> something's wrong. wrong. <laughs> I, I've learned yeah, over time. Yeah, and I, yeah, I fought, I fought and fought and fought with his physician, and yeah. he just kept saying everything's fine. You know, you're just tired, and he was just kind of placating me. Um, and so I kept saying something's wrong. So finally, I changed positions, and that's when um, the physician really took a look and said, his new physician really took a look and said, no, this is not typical. Mm -hmm. This is not, this is not something that you should be struggling with. And that had um, to be a relief for you. I mean, it had to have been just like, Oh my God, thank you, Lord. Just Mm -hmm. somebody that's actually paying attention. Yeah, it was, it was a relief. Um, so we knew something was going on. We just couldn't figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. And so we went through his childhood, um, to the age of two where, you know, people would comment and say, you know, Colton is really busy. He's hyperactive. He's, um, people would tell us, wow, he's just a busy child and he's very intelligent, but, um, and we kept waiting for his, Uh, speech to develop and it just wasn't there I was the only one who could understand him Um, my husband really had a problem understanding him but we just we just kind of said okay that's probably just because I spend more time with him and you know my husband's not very good at baby talk he never has (laughs) so so he I would talk for Colton to other people like he would give me signs or signals and we just kind of had our own language working out. Sure, sure. So 
at that point I had my mommy glasses on because I was so enjoying having my child, even though, you know, people that would babysit him said that he was like watching chin children because he was just (laughs) up and down and everywhere. And we nicknamed him monkey because I mean, he was like climbing the uh, blinds at times. I mean, he was just everywhere. And so, um, you know, I just had my mommy glasses on through all of that. And we have a nephew that is um, a year to the day older than Colton. And so we had a good kind of comparison about where Colton should be. And my husband finally said, um, Destiny, his, his speech is not developing properly. Like, I still can't understand him. Nobody else can understand him. His speech is just not developing properly. Right. And so um, I had to take my mommy glasses off, you know, my perfect child. Sure. Um, I had to take them off and I had to really look at it and say, okay, yeah, this is something, something's definitely up. So for the next two years, we went to Riley. Um, we went to all kinds of di- different specialists. And um, to see if we could get a good, strong diagnosis of what we've been dealing with. Um, And one of the main things that that troubled us is I could never hold my child. My child had a very difficult time being in anybody's arms. It Mm -hmm. didn't matter who it was, but I could never hold my child. And um, he would just do this thing where he would just relax all of his muscles and just drop out of your arms if (sighs) if you were holding him. Um, when we would go to any store, it would just be uh, crying and fits and just uncontro- uncontrollable, you know, uh, just trauma to him almost. And it like if you really wanted to traumatize Colton, you would take him down the toy aisle because there were so many lights and sounds uh, sure. and different children. Yep, too stimulating. And so, yeah, and we couldn't figure all of that out because right. we had Not at had that time, no. Right. Yeah, we had had no experience with, with, you know, autistic children up until that point. And so we couldn't figure it out. And so we were telling all of the specialists this, and they were interviewing Colton, and they were trying to diagnose him as well, and they diagnosed him with a behavioral um, disorder. Mm-hmm. And so and so at that time, they said that he's either got a behavioral disorder or he's got autism. And so, but... And how old was very, he then, Destiny? How old? He's, he was four. This is between the ages of okay. two and so, four. So you're all the way up to four years old before you even right. get a first diagnosis Correct. of why this Correct. child is not developing normally. That, that frustration level Correct. had to be horrendous. Yes, it was. It was. So... There, the one sticking point in this entire thing uh, of the diagnosis is they said that he's either got a behavioral disorder or he's got autism. And the only reason why he doesn't have autism is because at times Colton is very friendly and can make eye contact. If you're autistic, you can't do that. And mm-hmm. I said, but it's not all the time. So it's right. not. Sure. And his dad and I are very friendly. And so what they were telling us is that autistic children emulate a lot. And I said, so could it be possible that he's picking that up from us? He's emulating that as much as he can. And then he's separating himself. And they said, no, 
the DSM-5 says that yeah, autistic children cannot make eye contact. They're not personable. They are very withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they're in their own world. Yep. And so we fought and fought and fought. And I was like, I did this behavioral, like, he doesn't fit all the qualifications for the behavioral disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, and so, the it's only so interesting. He doesn't have with the autism is that he's he's personable. Yeah, it's so interesting Sometimes. how they how there's such a like black and white judgment right. about issues that right. I mean they even call it right, right. the autism spectrum yep. because there's so exactly. many different exactly. ways that it shows up and to say like well, he absolutely doesn't have this or does have this so therefore like that just it's, always fascinates exactly. me. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and so take, frustrating. Yeah. Take, take it from me. Yeah. Uh, you come out of practice, and and they tell you everybody's supposed to fit into this uh, box that everyone has to mm-hmm. meet all the criteria, and hardly anyone ever does on mm-hmm. any condition. Right. So uh, right, exactly. I would have exactly. been going bazonkers hearing that because I'm sorry, but you had a very logical assessment. Um, yeah. You were right on. You were right on right yeah, there. Yeah. And I was researching, and of course, at this time, autism wasn't as prevalent as it was. Right. But um, I was still researching and trying to figure out what was going on with my child. And it just, nothing just seemed to fit properly except for that he was autistic. Mm -hmm. And so I kept at it. Um, In 2012, uh, it was later in 2012, almost 2013, they actually changed the DSM-5. To include the subset of children sure. who can be personable at times, who can make eye contact. And so then we slid right into the diagnosis. Sure. That's exactly you, when we slid into yeah. the diagnosis. You're part of what set up the precedent. And it had to be an overwhelming evidence for them to switch those because they don't make changes. They just don't right, make changes. Right, exactly. So exactly. a lot of moms so were just, going through what you were. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, um, but... You know, we're all struggling individually because we have no idea, mm-hmm. you know, that there's another person out there. And some people were just taking the diagnosis of the behavioral disorder and just yep. running with it. Yep. So um, because of all of this trouble, we could not get early help for Colton. Correct. Um, because they were just saying, okay, well, you just need to discipline him better. You just need to, let's go ahead and do medication. And we mm-hmm. weren't willing to do that. Yeah. Um, and so in all of this time, you know, Colton just didn't really have what he needed. Um, so then Colton got into preschool and we had an amazing preschool teacher. Her name is Jenny Spencer. And she is actually a specialist um, for children on the spectrum. And so because of Colton, she's actually changed what she does. And she actually goes through, she's developed a program based upon Colton and now goes out and teaches it in schools, mm. um, which is really neat. Is it, um, is it called something? Is there a name for this? Um, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um, we'll find but it. <laughs> I will definitely have to. Yeah, I'll yeah. have to get. I'll have to get it for you, and then you guys can. Yeah, we can put it in the on. notes. Yeah, we can link to it from the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she's amazing, and she really worked with us. Um, she did her own testing. She said that yes, Colton um, was autistic, and um, she was with us day in and day out in the struggles. We had a terrible time potty training him um, because he just never knew when he would 
have to go. Um, It was almost like a surprise for him. Um, He had developed terrible eating habits. Um, He would just basically only eat about six foods. Mm -hmm. Um, And the doctor said, well, just don't feed him. He'll eat. He'll eat when when he's hungry, but Mm -hmm. not with autistic children. Like if 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 they don't eat, they just don't eat. They will go into failure to thrive. There's there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They just will not eat. It's almost as though destiny. You had to. I'm sorry, but you're kind of forcing your forcing your way through this. Because it's true. Uh, the the healthcare field just wasn't up to date on the condition, they and weren't. unfortunately, weren't listening. Mm-hmm. And you know, one thing they you, weren't. you learn with all patients and individuals is you need to treat them where they are instead of where you want to put them. And it sounds exactly. like that did not happen. Well, now it sounds like this lady was a really big help to you. What are some of the other adaptations? Because I know texture and taste and all that kind of stuff is a major issue. Sounds are a major issue associated with it, et cetera, and, and colors and lights and anything bright. And um, mm-hmm. But what were some of the things beyond her that helped? Were there dietary habits? Were there anything else that you were able to change that assisted Colton? So, yeah, so we changed. We tried to change his diet as much as we could, mm-hmm. but he had preferred foods um, that we had to deal with. So we would make um, spaghetti. He likes spaghetti. So um, one of my tricks for spaghetti is to just blend up um, all kinds of vegetables and put it and hide it in the spaghetti sauce. So Mm -hmm. I would have to like basically put it into a pulp for him to eat it. So I would load and spaghetti was just one of the perfect things to do that with. So I put a carrot in for sweetness and then we do red bell pepper for vitamin C and then, you know, we would just uh, mushrooms and Whatever I could get in spaghetti sauce, I would put it in there because it was it was hidden so well. That's great. Um, and meatballs. He loved. He was just. He just loved meat, um, which is not too typical of autistic no, children, not. but I'm it surprised. is. It is a preference, and so meatballs were awesome with Colton. Um, we'd even make meatloaf and mm-hmm. tell him it, just cut it up and tell him it was meatballs. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that you can hide in that. So, Mm -hmm, um, you know, you just have to learn how to deal with your own kid. Um, that's, that's one of the advice that I would give to any autistic mom or, um, any mom who thinks that their child is on the spectrum. Um, just because you have a kid with autism doesn't mean that it's going to match with another child with autism. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's unique to each child, right? It's so wide. Exactly. It's so wide. Yep, and we struggled sense. and struggled and struggled with potty training. Um, he would urinate in the toilet, but he would never defecate in the toilet. So um, we struggled with pull-ups, and we would put a pull-up on him. And as soon as we put a pull-up on him, he would defecate. It was just seemed to be like a comfort thing for him. Okay. Interesting. So what else? And we, uh, and now it sounds like you were worked with the foods, and you were able to at least yes. grind up quality food meals for him was there any supplementation that you went with were there any drugs that were successful um we tried yeah we tried um we tried um probiotics started coming on the market around that time and so um we knew that his gut health was important um and we were trying to solve the potty training issues and so, um, you know, I, I delved into it. We would feed him the probiotic yogurt, and um, he would eat that. He would not actually take anything as far as probiotics went because 
the market was pretty limited. It yeah. was either the yogurt or you'd have Capsules. a pill, yeah. a mm-hmm. capsule. Yep, yep, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And so um, we were struggling with that. And then there was also the issues of medication. And a lot of the medications that you put um, autistic children on then um, kind of exacerbate the issues with toilet training as well because mm-hmm. they bind them up or yep. they make mm-hmm. for loose bowels. And we were trying to get on a medication cocktail at that point that would work with Fulton because he was still at this point not sleeping. He would go days without sleep. Oh, my goodness. Um, That's so tough for everybody. And he was so active during the nighttime. Um, And my doctor was just – he was listening, but he was not willing to put him on a medication for sleeping because he he didn't want to – um, he didn't want to basically bog him down with medication, which we understood, mm-hmm. but I actually took a video. So cell phones are developing at, at this <laughs> point, And I actually took a video of him at 4 a.m., like literally climbing the blinds, like doing somersaults on his head. And I'm like, and I told him, and I was talking to the video, we have been up for hours. This is Colton. This is Colton all night long. And then I took another video at 7 a.m. He's still doing the same thing. Um, and, you know, I'm just basically trying to suck down coffee as fast as I can just to keep up with my son. Sure. Yeah. So, Man. Um, so it was, you know, it, it was pretty difficult to say the least. Um, we finally got on a cocktail uh, of medicine that w- would work for us for a little bit. Um, and then his body would change and he'd grow out of it. And then we'd have to try to switch and modify a different cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which we knew was probably going to happen. It, it just is what it is. Um, so I was talking with my friend, Brendan Preston, about all of the struggles that we had had. He's, he's always been amazing about just listening. Brendan doesn't have um, children himself. But he'd seen the struggles that we had went through. We've been friends for over 20 years and um, just saw that I was hurting. And um, so he was just he was just a good ear to bend. Um, And so we started talking about his his bathroom issues and um, and his eating issues. And Brendan said, you know, I've got this this product. Um, which is a probiotic that we've developed. And he gave me a whole backstory on the probiotic and why it's different um, and how we could use it. And I said, you know, Brennan, it's just like spaghetti. I'm willing to throw anything <laughs> at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. So as long as you're saying it's a good product, I will try it. So he got me a sample and, um, it wasn't two weeks later. Colton was completely potty trained. We started him on probonics twice a day, and wow. um, it's 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 been one of the major changes in our life that have it just did so well for us and grew so fast for us. And I saw immediate results. So for two weeks on the probonics. Um, he, we were able to put him on a schedule. So we would make sure that he sat on the toilet of a morning and he would have a bowel movement and then we were ready for the day. And just to be able to tr- take that stress off oh of him. Oh my gosh, yes. It changes everything, doesn't it? Having that, 
Yeah, that that gut, that those gut issues and being stressed out. I mean, I can't even imagine as a child trying to concentrate through having stomach cramps and trying to hold it in and all of that stuff. It just, you know, that's why I think where we saw a lot of the behavioral issues is he just could not figure out what to do with himself, basically. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And so, so to be able to help him out with that was immense for us. That is um, one, one thing that the probonics um, helped us with as well is throughout the medication changes, it still leveled out his gut. So we wouldn't have to then start back at square one with potty training if we did a medication change. Yeah. So I'm a huge proponent of probonics. Um, the way that we were able to get probonics into Colton because there is a lot of flavor issues as far as yep. um, as far as autistic children go right. is we hid it in chocolate pudding. Mm. So I would put it <laughs> I would put it in a spoon of non-fat chocolate pudding, and I would give him the first bite and make sure that he ate the first bite, and then he could eat the rest of the pudding or not if he wanted to, mm. but he had to eat the first bite right. to try it. That's great, and so. Um, it was, it was just something that we easily masked it because, um, the only liquids that Colton would drink would either be water or, um, lemonade. And we were afraid that the lemonade would then, um, counteract what the probiotics was trying to do. So we couldn't actually put it in the lemonade. Mm -hmm. So the way that I figured it out was to put it in the chocolate pudding and he would eat it and it would be good to go. Very wise. Very wise. How old is Colton now? He's 10. He just turned 10 last week. Oh, yay. So are you sleeping? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you get any sleep? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we get sleep now. Um, he is, he, he goes to sleep at about um, nine o'clock and then he's up at 3 a.m. So we do have a window, but it's a short window. Yep. But we'll take whatever we can get at this point. Yeah, so, sounds like some great um, improvement. And let me say this much yeah, to you, Destiny. Sure. Um, Colton's lucky to have a mom like you because there it you is so a much. very difficult 10-year road. Um, and I'm sure it wasn't what you expected, but I'm sure he's a lovely, lovely young man. And um, He is. We enjoy him immensely. Yeah. Well, we want you to know how much we appreciate you coming on and sharing your story about autism. We're going to do more programs about it uh, from different points of view, trying to help those such as yourself that have literally fought the fight and started to make changes. But I think a lot of people that have that diagnosis sometimes not there Mm -hmm. and wondering. Or don't have that diagnosis and feel Mm -hmm. like they're alone. Right, because, yeah, there's a lot of people who, and, and I've dealt with moms who just, they have their mommy glasses on and they just don't want to see it. It's yeah. like struggling. I mean, you you have to grieve that perfect child that you have in your mind right. um, when you get to diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And that's that's also a struggle. And to give that up, to give up the, um, you know, he'll get married, he'll have children, he'll go to college. And, and all of those ideals is is very hard to give up for the unknown. Mm-hmm. Will he ever be able to move out of the house? Will he be ever, ever be able to live on his own uh, or develop properly where he can actually graduate from high school? You know, that that's very hard to give up for the unknown. Um, so it is a, it's a, it's a struggle, but there is a very large community out there of support. 
Um, just don't listen to the naysayers that, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. Listen to your child, listen to your instincts, and go off of what you feel is the most perfect thing for your child because nothing absolutely works for every child. Nothing. Fabulous. That's great advice. I love that. Destiny, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story about Colton and his life, and we certainly look forward in the years to come to catch up and see how things are going. Perfect. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So having somebody like that that's gone through so much is painful to listen to, um, but I think this is what uh, thousands and thousands of mothers and fathers are doing. I actually thought it was inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, painful, I'm sure, to go through at the time, but, I mean, yeah. man, yeah. to have someone who is so... Like such an advocate, right, Absolutely. for finding fought, answers fought for and her son, yeah, yeah. Really. and it's disappointing that she had to go so long to yeah. get to that point, right, yeah. and that the system didn't help. But it sounds like she's they've turned right. a corner, and that's right. yeah. And and maybe that the system isn't quite ready for this, the ramification of this condition, and mm-hmm. is slow to adapt, and that you shouldn't give up. Yeah, I mean that might yeah. be as, and that you're not alone. Yeah, and that if you have listened to this program and you know someone who's gone through or going through it's it's a great podcast to listen to Mm -hmm. so we'd certainly suggest that you share it with your friends and family and and uh, we want to thank destiny taylor and her husband and and colton for participating today i don't think it gets better as for listening to the spirit of a family that won't give up on a child yeah absolutely it was a great story Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Humarian Health. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 